Hey guys, we got our, our house churches joining us. We got uh, some of the family locally as well as globally in Angola, Dominican Republic, and Nigeria. What is up? Hey, let's welcome in everybody who's with us, who's not in the room today. Hey, I, I wanna say something very strategic. I wanna say it like this. I am so glad that today you came out to be with the church. Okay, uh, I did not say, I, I, I'm glad that you're at church, okay? I'm less glad that you're at church. I'm more glad today that you're with the church, right? So this has kind of been, been the idea that we've been hanging around just as we kick off this new year in this series, um, that the church is less the place and it's more the people, right? That so much, it's not so much like this is victory or this is victory, the walls are victory, but like we are victory, that this isn't this church we are the church, right? So we've been uh, really uh, over four weeks now, we're kind of coming to a close here, um, of being in a series that we're just calling We Are Victory. And we're spending a few weeks talking about who we are, what we're called to do, how we're called to do it, and where we're going as a church. And today, kind of as, again, as we round this out, I want to officially invite you to make this part of who you are so that together we can actually say we are Victory, that this isn't just a church I go to, this is the family of faith that I belong to. So if we're gonna actually say we are victory, we actually have to answer who is victory. So the first week, if you were with us, we tackled kind of like this big idea of who we are. And here's how we say it, is that victory is a place and a people who are built on, directed by, and fueled through God in Prayer, we are a house of prayer. We are people who love Jesus and are loved by Jesus in prayer. We are led cloud by day, fire by night, by God in prayer. Man, we're gonna do a whole lot of things wrong, but what we can't get wrong is being a people of prayer. Every significant thing that God's ever done in this house has been done in prayer. Who is victory? We are a house of of prayer. Then we jumped into what has God called us to do? Here's how we said that, is that victory is a place and a people who are dedicated to and guided by the vision that God has given this church. So the vision, uh, if you know us, uh, was given to us in Acts 1.8. These are Jesus's last words on earth, where he says, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and here's how we interpret it for us, that God has called us to build families, he's called us to transform the communities that we find ourselves in, to reconcile cultures, and to impact nations out of this house right here. But it's not just about what we do, it's also about how we do what we do. So last week, we jumped into how we're called to do life and to do ministry, and here's how we said that, is that victory is a place and a people who embrace and embody the values God has called us to live out. So what are our values? Courageous, humble, empowering, connected, and kind, C-H-E-C-K. This is our values check around here, that what we do is the vision of the church, but how we do it is our values. Are we living courageous? Are we living humble? Are we living empowering? Are we living connected? And are we known by the way that we love? That's the big question. So now, what we kind of said was this. If, there's, if, if, if we come to the end of four weeks and we say, hey, what, is, what do people have to know to know we are victory? What's the last thing? If there's one more thing we gotta get in our hearts, in our DNA. It's where are we going? Where are we going as a church? So that when God says go, we can all run in the same direction. And that's what we're landing on today. So here's how I'd say it. Victory is a place and a people who are motivated by and move toward the God goal. Everybody say God goal. God. The God goal he has given 
this church. So uh, if you've been around Victory for uh, pretty much the last year, I've been talking about this. This has become part of our language. But if you're newer to the family, let me catch you up with a story in case you haven't heard, okay? So Summer and I uh, began attending Victory in 1998, and it's crazy that I'm that old because now I can say I've been attending Victory longer than some of you have been born, you know, been alive, you know? Uh, I'm not that old. Some of y'all are that old, but um, I'm still young. But uh, we began attending in 98. I was a student at UGA, God's College, glory, hallelujah, amen, go dogs. And my girlfriend's family, who I ended up marrying, Summer, um, her family found victory in the Yellow Pages. So if you don't know what the Yellow Pages are, kids, ask somebody who's old, who's sitting next to you, and they will tell you what the Yellow Pages are. So um, uh, we started attending in 98, and when we got married in 2001, we instantly, which is what everybody should do, we instantly jumped into a young adult married small group here at Victory, saved our marriage. Um, within six months, they asked us to help to lead the small group. About six months later, we were leading our own group. About six months after that, we were leading all the young adult married small groups here at Victory. And then something happened that I said that I would never do. I always said, I will never be a pastor. Like that was my inner vow. Like that was my life statement. My dad was a pastor. I saw what, how he did it. I, like, I, I didn't want to be under that stress. I wanted to just be a good dude, work a job, tithe, and, and sleep like take a nap on the couch. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was what I wanted to be in my life. But how I many of you know, uh, God can take your well-laid plans and flip them on their head, like, in a second. Be careful what you say you'll never do. So in 2005, uh, Pastor Dennis came to a fusion service, saw me preach, and October 2005, he offered the job for Summer and I to come on staff here as the Young Adult Pastors of Victory. So we did that for about five or six years, and then God called us out to go start Victory's first campus, Up 85 by the Mall of Georgia, uh, which became Victory Hamilton Mill. And so what that means, uh, we started August 2010, which means April 24th, 2011 was the first Easter service there at Victory Hamilton Mill. Now, I know that day, April 24th, 2011, because it was one of the top maybe two or three days of my life after coming into faith in Jesus after getting married, it was there, right? <clears throat> April 24th, 2011. Um, I had never preached an Easter sermon before because I was always here. And you don't let the youth pastor preach Easter. I don't know if you know church well enough, right? Like, like it's the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, um, you know, the Easter's such a complex thing because we got the committed core in the room. We got the fringe um, uh, believers coming in. We got the C&E only, you know, Christmas and Easter only. Uh, we got the people who think that they're Christians, but they aren't. Uh, we got the people who are examining faith, right? It's a very complex room. So the big dog always preaches Easter, right? So it was always Pastor Dennis. I was always watching from the front row. But now I'm at Hamilton Mill. I'm about to preach Easter. So I'm like really nervous. And April 24th, 2011, I woke up that morning, already nervous, laying there in bed. But I prayed the prayer that I pray 99% of the time when I remember. I'm laying there in bed before I even open up my eyes. I just say, good morning, Holy Spirit really look forward to doing life with you today. 99% of the time, that's my prayer. Before I even open up my eyes, as soon as I wake up, good morning, Holy Spirit. I really look forward to doing life with you today. And at that moment, April 24, 2011, that morning, Easter morning, God stepped into my room. And it was hands down the most real God moment I've ever had in my entire life. 
um, literally, I'm like shaking. It was Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, bro. Like it is, it is, this is a serious moment. It is a holy moment. And I'm laying there and I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And right behind that, God asked me a question. He says, how many do you want? How many do you want? And I knew exactly what he was asking. He was asking, how many people do I, do I want in the church? And not, not, not Easter, not at Hamilton Mill. We were a church of 400 people. <laughs> like, we're, we're like just trying to hold it together with glue and paper clips up there at that time. How many do you want? And without hesitation, laying there in bed, eyes closed, April 24, 2011, I say, 100,000. And he replied, what about a million? And I said, no, no. <laughs> Literally, this is, exa- this is exactly what I said. I said, no, my ego couldn't handle that. This raw vulnerability with God. And that was it. That was it. Maybe 15 seconds. Come on, how many of you know 15 seconds with God? better than a thousand church services. 15 seconds with God, better than a million small groups. 15 seconds with God, better than a billion nights at the club. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in his course than a thousand days. Come on, elsewhere. 15 seconds, it was 15 seconds, but it was the realest 15 seconds of my life. And I laid there in bed, literally, literally like, Oh God, like I just had a Solomon sort of moment. And I, and I got out of bed and I did not tell anybody. Didn't tell Summer for years. Because it, it felt, okay, it felt, it felt too prideful to say it. It, 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 it. it was too fragile for me to articulate it because if somebody had come in and be like, no, 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 that didn't happen. I, I would have been like, I don't know. It would have all fallen apart. So I literally, man, I, I took that thing and put it in my pocket. But now here's what I'll say. April 24th, 2011 was the day that I knew that one day Summer and I would be the senior pastors of Victory. Nine and a half years before it happened. Because we weren't going anywhere. And God had made us a promise that in my sight could only be accomplished if we were in the senior roles here, right? But God had committed something to me, 100,000 souls. So I put it in my pocket I just kind of lived life and trembled whenever I got in, in prayer with, with God with it. Uh, a few years later, uh, I told Summer. Um, a few years maybe after that, I uh, told a few other people. But there were strategically two people that I never told, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Colleen, until after the transition, until after we had gotten the torch. You wanna know why? Because I did not even want it to smell like I was manipulating the process. Come on, guys, go with me, go with me. There are some of us who have received a word from God, but we're too busy trying to make it happen instead of trusting God that he's gonna make it happen, that we're too busy maneuvering and manipulating instead of trusting and obeying, and we end up polluting the entire process, right? And what happens is, what happens is we get a word from the Lord, and we want it now. Come on, in my money and I want it now, right? And we're like a dog, we're gonna go get that bone. And we we don't understand that when God makes a promise, it's an invitation into a process. 
When God makes a promise, it's an invitation into a process. And I, I think way too quickly, a lot of us, we forget it was 15 years between when David was anointed king and David was crowned king. It was 25 years between when God told Abraham and Sarah they would have a child and when Isaac was actually born. And some of you are like, 25, hold on, carry the three, how old am I? You're like, I'm gonna be dead. Don't worry, it only took three days for that stone to roll away. But here's the, here's the deal, what God is calling us into is to trust him in the process, however long it takes. He's inviting us into the process. He's inviting us to grow in patience. He's inviting us to grow in our gifts. He's inviting us to grow in discipleship and Christ-likeness. He's inviting us into the process. Grow towards your calling. Don't just get up there and kick the door in. Listen, this is how, this, I, this is Summer and I, our approach pretty much to everything. And I, I, I don't say this as like prideful. I say it because we almost have like, doubt in ourselves a whole lot of times. But what our, our whole approach is this. God, you've said it, and I'm gonna hold it like this. If you said it, I'm gonna steward it. And here's the deal. I'm gonna hold it like this. I'm not gonna let it drop. I'm gonna steward it. But here's the deal. You made me this promise, so my promise to you, God, is, is this. When you open up the door, we'll walk through it. We'll walk through it. And there's way too many of us who are trying to kick doors down that God has promised that he'll open. We just gotta be patient and we gotta grow into discipleship and we gotta grow into our calling, right? And so we gotta be patient in the process. So God made this promise and we put it in our pocket and we wanted to be stewards of it and we wanted to grow, grow into that place. And seven and a half years later, Pastor Dennis and Colleen invited us out to dinner. And it was there in August of 2018 that we formally began transition talks. And so the, the dream began to, to gain momentum of, of 100 souls for Jesus, or 100,000 souls for Jesus. So at the end of 2018, I started my master's degree in the first class that we, or the first book that we read was called Hero Maker by a pastor named Dave Ferguson up in Chicago. And the whole idea of Hero Maker is this. If everybody is a disciples making disciples, if everybody's trying to be a, a, make heroes who make heroes who make heroes, nobody has the time to be the hero except for Jesus. So we just gotta make leaders who make leaders who make leaders who make leaders. And so I got my eyes on this book and I started to be like, oh my God, this is it. Like God, this, this, is, this is how we're going to get to where you're calling us to go. And the framework started coming into place. And so we hi started hiring some new staff who could maybe think a little bit bigger and lead a little bit bigger. And I eventually came to the place where I was like, God, I think we got this, right? Like, like we're not there yet, but I can see how we're gonna get to 100,000. I started getting a little bit of confidence, right? So then in 2019, uh, a few of us, I took two of the pastors here and we went up to Chicago um, to, to look at what it would look like to start planting churches in the future. And as part of that meeting, they invited us to spend 30 minutes with God, like go to another room, take a napkin. The they, whole story was like your dream napkin, like write it down like in a restaurant, right? So here's a napkin, go write down what God is saying to your church about the future of the church. And so we went downstairs and I'm like, God, this is dumb. We already had this conversation. I know what it is, 100,000, right? And, and so I'm like, okay, but because they asked us to do it, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna, mm. Mm, what are you saying, right? And so I'm like, I'm literally, I'm closed off. I know exactly what God has already said. God, you said 100,000, right? So we're just gonna write that. I'm just gonna wait for a second. As real as the first time. As real as the first time. 
came into the room there in that church lobby, and he said this. He said, Johnson, the million wasn't your idea. It was mine. <laughs> and immediately I was terrified all over again. And I remember, come on, listen, guys. I'm in that church lobby. I'm like, God, do you understand how unrealistic that is? That's impossible. God, we could never do that. And he said, that's exactly where you need to be, Johnson. Because if you could do it, you would get all the glory for it. But now that you've, you've acknowledged that you can't do it, and you could never accomplish it in your own strength and your own power, now when it happens, I'm the only one who can get the glory. So listen, family. This is a commercial brought to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some things that God wants to do through you if, 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 if he can trust you to give him the credit when it comes to pass. Listen, guys, God does not share his glory with anybody. There's no room in the kingdom for glory hogs. God does not like sharing his glory with anybody. And here's one of the really big problems is that a lot of us, a lot of people, even the people in the lights and everything right now, a lot of people are really humble when they have nothing. But then when God comes through and they're standing on the mountaintop, they think they did it all. All the lights are on them. All the influence is them. All the followers on them. And they end up leaving the Lord. And God is looking for a people. Listen, guys, stay humble, king. Stay humble, queen. God is looking for men and women and children, students. doesn't matter your age. God is looking for men and women to do the kingdom through, to bring the kingdom through if he can trust you to acknowledge that he's the one who accomplished it, not that you did it in your own strength. So God told me this. He said, he said you know, the million wasn't your idea. It was mine. And there, again, in that, ch that church lobby in Chicago, it, began, it, it came as clear as day to me that God has called victory to be a place and a people, to be a house, um, of 100,000 people, 100,000 souls meeting in our victory gatherings, uh, meeting in our campuses, meeting in house churches, whatever formats that we would meet in that would claim we are victory, 100,000 people. And that God has called this house to influence 900,000 people through church plants, through uh, church um, network, through missions organizations of disciples who are creating disciples who make disciples who make disciples for a sum total of a million souls to be influenced for the cause of Christ through victory. That is the God dream for this house. And if you're newer to the church, what's really important for you to understand is this, guys. Listen, um, I am not a numbers guy. So some of you, if you're newer, you're like, oh, this is just another one of those big church pastors, just about numbers, doesn't care about people. No, listen, I am so not that, that God had to give me a number. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, I, I, I want a four-hour lunch. I want to watch America's Funniest Home videos and scroll, scroll cat videos on my phone. Like, I am so, you ever meet people who are, like, so motivated and driven that they're, like, bug you? I'm not that guy. I'm the anti-that guy. And so God knew that about me, so he had to put that in me. Does that make sense? Now you better believe I'm driven, because, but it's not my motivation. It's God stepped into my room, lit a fire in my soul, and said, guys, we gotta go. We gotta go. So, fast forward. So, uh, so let me say it too. It's not like we're gonna do it all this year. All right, that, um, that's not a lack of faith. That's just true, all right? Um, but I, I believe it's the rest of my life, but I do believe this. I do believe 
that the Lord has told me I'm gonna see it in the land of the living. I believe I'm gonna see it. Okay, so August 2020, if you were here uh, at the height of COVID, uh, Pastor Dennis and Colleen, who planted the church, founded the church, watered the church for so long, laid the foundation, began building for 30 years. They handed the, the torch of senior leadership over to Summer and I. Um, la, uh, January of 21, um, uh, uh, this church started moving forward. We started releasing uh, Emancipating Greatness. Uh, January 22, we launched Victory North Cobb. January 23, we launched 50 house churches. That's the first generation of house churches. Over the last month, thousands of new friends have come into victory. And so let me say it like this. We may just be getting going, but you better believe we're going. It's going, like the train is going. So, so, so with me, just come on, come on. Like kind of lift your, lift your faith up, lift your heart up, lift your eyes up. I see 500 house churches. I see a dozen campuses. I see a ministry school that's equipping the family of God to live missional in the really confusing world that we find ourselves in right now. I see church after church being planted outside of this house. Some of you guys are gonna be church planters. Some of you guys, you don't even know it yet. You're gonna be full-time missionaries. You don't even know it yet. Um, I see a church network that's gonna um, uplift and fuel churches here, around here, and also around the globe. Um, I see a church, believe me, in faith, that's going to fly by $100 million in missions given out uh, into, into the world around us. We're at 88.4 million right now in the life of the church. We're about to fly, th- fly right past that. In fact, this morning, I told Pastor Dennis, I kind of had another little moment with the Lord this morning before I came out here. I believe the Lord told me that there's, there's going to be a year. Listen, just go ahead and write it down. What, what's today? Whatever today is. Write, write it down in your journal. I believe there will be a year where victory gives $100 million in emissions in one year. I believe that's going to happen. I believe it's gonna happen. I believe God said it this morning, all right? And this is just stuff I'm, I'm tucking away in my soul, guys. Why? Because here's how I say it. God's dream for victory is this God goal of a million souls for the gospel. 100,000 victory settings, 900,000 in victory-related settings. And where does it find its root? Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18 is what we call the Great Commission. It's familiar to a lot of us. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus came to his disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore... Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything. Listen, guys, there's a whole lot of churches claiming the name of Jesus, very few people obeying Jesus. Okay, welcome to victory. Okay, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And, and again, here's how I'd say this, is that there are eight billion people. Listen, some of you, some of you are like, like a million people, that's so audacious. You don't think I know that? You don't think I hear myself saying it? Sounds ridiculous. There are eight billion people on the planet. There's six million people in Atlanta. Six million people in Atlanta. And here's how I'd say it, guys. Here's what I feel like God's saying. God has a worldwide call for the church of Jesus. The God goal of a million people is our slice of that pie. It's it's our slice of the Great Commission. That's what it looks like here at Victory for this family. It's to reach a million people in Jesus' name. So all of our services, all of our ministries, all the conferences, all of our small groups, our outreach, everything is about reaching a million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where we're going. That's how we're gonna start getting there. And, and I, I don't, listen, it's really important for me that you guys get this. I don't say this, you say like, oh wow, Johnson had a dream. I did not have a dream, I was fully awake. <laughs> um, I call it God's dream for this house. 
Um, and I do not say this, so you'll say, oh, wow, look at Johnson. That, that was awesome. No, <laughs> I say this, so you'll be like, wow, I, I'm looking at Johnson. Uh, there's no way he can do this. So I guess we'll just all have to do it. Because we are victory. We are victory. And God's dream for this house will only be accomplished as we all get up and go to fulfill this together. I can't do it by myself, you can't do it by yourself, but together we can with the additional family members who God is sending to this house daily, those who are being saved. So how do we fulfill God's dream for this house? Here's the first thing we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to pray into it. We're gonna have to pray towards it. All right, how are we gonna fulfill God's dream for the house? We're gonna have to pray towards it. As a family, we're gonna have to pray in here and we're gonna have to pray out there, right? We're gonna have to pray in here on you know, every Sunday morning at 8.15 to 8.30. I know it's a short window, but we pray for the services. Saturday mornings we pray, and our small groups we pray, and here we pray, right? So we're gonna pray together in here, but then we have to pray out there. So do, 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 some of you guys already walk around your neighborhood. Pray, pray for your neighbors, right? Pray, pray kingdom come. Guys, listen, here's, here's what we gotta get our minds around. Jesus says this, red letters, Matthew 9, 37. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know what we do lots of times? We pray for the harvest. Jesus does not tell us to pray for the harvest. He says, guys, the harvest is already ready. People are already hungry. We live in a dry and weary land where there is no water. People are famished for the word of God. People are hungry for God. And what we need to do is not pray that they'd be ready. They're already ready. We need to pray that the people of God would go out into the harvest and be messengers and salt and light out there. That's the prayer. So what do we need to do? We need to increase the frequency of our prayer. We need to increase the fervency of our prayer. We need to increase the faith of our prayer. We need to increase the courage of our prayers. We need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would mobilize the church, would do a movement in our generation to send us out instead of just being attendees, to send us out into the world to actually be salt and light out there that we would share and show the love of Jesus out there. So how are we gonna accomplish this great God goal that he gave this house? The first thing is we have to pray toward it. Second thing is this, we have to serve toward it. We gotta serve the family in here and we gotta serve the families out there, right? And so what it's gonna take, it has to, it has to look like this, guys. We have to make the choice to not just be observers, but to be participants, we, we have to throw off the whole thing of being a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon attendee and actually be an active participant in the kingdom, right? Like, guys, let me say this. A great church is a serving church. Some of us are asking even right now, like, how do I become more like Jesus? Serve, serve. What did Jesus do? He served, he served people, not just in church, he served out there too. We need to have a life of serving. Serving sets us apart from everybody else. Listen, nobody in this world serves. Everybody wants to be served. That's the human selfish nature. So what do we do? We take on the form of servant, just like our rabbi, right? And we turn around and we serve the world. So we serve in here and we serve out there, right? And here's the deal, guys. Some of you are like, man, you talk about serving like three weeks in a row. What's the deal with that? Here's the deal. I promise you, if you're already serving, you're not frustrated. You're like, bring it, do more. The only people right now who are frustrated if I'm talking about it are people who aren't serving because you're, you're getting irritated in your soul about it because I'm poking at you. Here's the deal, guys. If you want a church you can just go to perpetually and just fill a seat, 
I need your seat. I need your seat. Especially at 9 and 11. I need those seats for more people to come in and meet Jesus, okay? I say this gracefully. If you just wanna be an observer, there are lots of churches in the city. That what God is doing right here is he's forming a people who belong to a family, who serve here and who serve out there, all right? Who aren't just observers, but are actually participants in the kingdom, who actually live out what they say they believe, okay? So, here's the QR code, all right? For serving, just because some of you were like, oh, we put up the QR code last week, and I, I, tried, to, I tried to take a picture of it. I tried to take a picture, I couldn't do it in time. And I said, you know, I was, I was at breakfast with Sally on Wednesday, and I was like, oh, I need to do that. And I went to the website, and I just got lost, and I got distracted. And I, there it is. Let's stop talking about it. Let's start doing it, all right? Parking lot to, you know, to Victory Kids, to, to the New Here team, to the ushers, to the greeters, production, cafe, everywhere in between, prayer team, wherever that is. Listen, God has called you to be somebody who serves, right? So we serve in here, and we serve out there, right? So dads, serve your families, right? Ladies, serve your neighbors. Students, serve your fellow students. And I know that sounds ridiculous. You're like, oh God. Do you remember what it's like to be in high school? You really want a high school student to serve another high school student? Yes. That would make me stand out. Yes. That's the opposite of what everybody wants to do in high school. We all want to fit in. No, God made you to stand out. Don't be a thermostat. I mean, don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat, right? Don't just warm to the level of the room. No, you change the room. You're called to be different, guys. Every single one of us is called to be different. So we serve, right? How can I be more like Jesus? I serve, right? So how are we gonna accomplish this God dream that he gave us, right? We're gonna pray towards it, we're gonna serve towards it, and then we're gonna lead towards it. We're gonna lead towards it. I've been saying this the last few weeks. Some of us have been followers of Christ way too long to not be leading, right? You should be leading in here, and you should be leading out there. All right, so you should be leading on the prayer team, leading in the production team, leading on the ushers, leading on the greeters, leading in a small group, whatever that is. And out there, you should be leading your HOA. You should be leading in the PTA. All the A's. Just do it. Just go out there and lead, right? You know, and some of you are like, oh, no, no, that's just too much drama. I'd much rather just sit back and criticize it. Right? This is what we do. We criticize politics. We'll get involved in politics. No, 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 no. I'd much rather criticize it. Guys, I believe, I believe what it's gonna take is for us to stop criticizing and for us to start creating. Stop criticizing the culture. Start creating a different culture. So how are you gonna change your HOA? Get in the HOA. How are you gonna change the school system? Get in the school system. How are you gonna change the political arena? Get in the political arena, right? And lead, and lead. So lead here and lead out there. One thing we, I can do to be able to help you with that is with the QR code. So we got a QR code <laughs> right up here. <laughs> Some of you are wondering, how do I get involved in leadership, okay? Uh, this is leadership in victory, but really what we wanna do, I don't want to train you to be a, a good leader in the ushers, but you're a bad husband, all right? So this is, uh, this is a whole life leadership, really what we wanna instill into the people of God, to lead here and to lead out there. Why is this important? Because I, I believe this is a word for some of us. Too many of us have become what I would just simply call domesticated Christians. Guys, that God called us to be bold as lions. Come on, the, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. Come on, if you claim Christ, if you're born again, the same spirit that hovered on the waters at creation abides, dwells on the inside of you. He did not make you to just sit down and be comfortable. 
Too many of us were like the story of the three bears, right? Oh, it's just right. Looking for a church that's just right. Looking for a neighborhood that's just right, right? No challenge, no push, everything's so comfortable. And, and, and we've settled for, maybe some of us, listen, maybe some of us have settled for serving when he's called you to actually lead. I say this with all humility. Guys, wherever you're at, just take one step, right? So some of you, you're new to faith. Just kind of soak, all right? Just kind of soak. Warm up to being a disciple of Jesus. And that next step is serving. But here's the deal. Some of you have been serving for three, five, six years, and you're just kind of there, right? Some of you, God's actually called you to start leading in the place where you're serving, in here and out there, right? So how are you reaching more people today than you did five years ago? How are you influencing more people today than you did in the last season? That's what a leader does. And that's what God has called us to be. I'm not just talking about on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about leading your families, in your workplace, in the clubs, wherever you're at, right? I don't mean like the clubs. Well, I guess, hey, God called you to the club. Be in it, but not of it. Come on, somebody. So how, how are we gonna fulfill this God dream? We gotta pray towards it. We gotta serve towards it. We gotta lead towards it. And then we gotta give towards it. There are, there are two main things that determine the effectiveness of any church and able to fulfill the, the call of God on that church. Leaders and money, okay? There have to be leaders to lead the people who are coming to faith, and there has to be money to accomplish the mission that God has called that house to. I know some of you are like clutching your pearls. You're like, oh my gosh, he's talking about money in church. <laughs> yes, yes I am, okay? Missionary friend of mine uh, said this. He said, Johnson, the gospel is free, but the road it travels on costs money. The gospel is, you better believe it takes money to build out spaces for kids. Come on, it takes money to plant churches. It takes money to support missionaries. It, it, take, it takes money to, to fund online campus and get this message out, right? You know what else took money? The seat you're sitting in. Somebody else paid for your seat, right? So you could hear the gospel. Listen, the gospel is free, but the road it travels on costs money. And Paul, Paul writes this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8. He said, I believe this about victory, just so you know. I believe this about us. Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And that has been my prayer for us. God, would you give us the grace of giving? And I know this, maybe, maybe you're, you're newer. There is a difference between tithes and offerings. There's a difference between tithes and offerings, okay? Let's just go there for a second. The tithe is 10%. Before taxes, I tell you, because I mean, listen, preaching what I'm already living, right? So, um, the tithe is 10%. It is not 1%. It's not 5%. It's not 40%. It's not $5. It's not whatever you have in your pocket. It's not a million dollars. Sometimes, you know, we used to pass the buckets. You're like, I just tithe. No, that's what you had in your pocket since the last time you wore those pants. No, the tithe is 10%, right? And so here's the really cool thing, okay? Well, let me say it like this. The tithe is holy, right, to God. The scriptures say that. The tithe is holy to God, which means it's already his, right? So you're not giving anything to God. The scripture actually very clear on the language. We're returning it to God. You get in the tithe, you give nothing to God. You're returning to God what's already his, all right? So what, what's really cool about, about this at Victory? I don't know if you knew this. Every member of Victory tithes. I don't know if you knew that. And some of you are like, mm. 
oh, well, I, I'm a member of Victory, and I have not been tithing. Well, it's really interesting. Um, you may not know this, but you're not a member of Victory <laughs> because all the members of Victory tithe. Why? Because the family supports the family. Right, so let me, let me say this before you get all offended and walk out of here and you know whatever, blow me up online. You, your mama, and your mama's mama, and your mama's auntie are all welcome at Victory. Everybody can come, everybody can attend, you can attend as long as you want to, okay? But membership is saying, hey, I'm a part of the family now. And the family supports the family, okay? So attend, attend guys. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not removing anybody from the church. Attend all day long but members of the church, members of the family support the family. That's what we do, okay? So I tithe out of obedience. I give offering out of love, okay? Those are, those are two different things, okay? I don't really have time to go into it, but everybody loves to quote that like God loves a cheerful giver, and so that's why we're like, I don't tithe because I don't like tithing. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Take that scripture in context. God loves a cheerful giver. That's talking about the offering. Go back and read it. Go Google it later. God loves a cheerful giver. Talking about the offering. He's not talking about the tithe. So you can be stanky all day long and you still got a tithe. That's obedience, right? But the offering is done out of love. Don't ever let anybody manipulate you into giving an offering, ever. Twist you like, oh, you sow the seed to meet your greed. Like throw it down here, help me buy my jet and I'll pray a blessing on your business. No, you will never see that here. We tithe out of obedience. We give offering out of love, okay? So this is why I give offering, because I believe in giving provision for the vision. I believe in the vision of this house. I believe in the stewardship of this house. I believe in the, in the God goal of this house, right? And so my family, every, every month forever, we've given to Heart of the House, personally, which is the missions arm of the church. Um, we, we've given in this last season to uh, what we call kingdom builders, which is building out our space for our kids next door and adult, uh, really like our house uh, church leaders education space up here, uh, over here on this side of the building, um, giving to that. Why? Because I believe in where we're going. So let me say this, guys. Let me say this without really hesitation, right? God set me free in this area. I need your help. I need you to give to fulfill the God goal. I do. So let me say it like this. The, the level that we serve, the level that we lead, and the level that we give will determine the speed that we're able to reach people. All right? That's what it looks like. So if, if we throttle back our giving, we're throttling back our effectiveness in that season to go reach more people, okay? So if we believe in this vision, if we believe in the God goal, we need to give towards that thing. So many of you already faithfully give. And I listen, I bless God for you. I, pray, I praise God for you all the time. Like pastor, other pastors hear about the faithfulness of the church and they're absolutely blown away. Like many of you have been faithful, not just for a month or two, but for decades and decades and decades. And I praise God for you. Others of you, maybe you're newer to the church. I, I don't know what, what situation's going on in your life. I invite you into this, okay? I invite you into this because there's still things that we have to do. Even like there's the ongoing kingdom builders. There's $500,000 left on that project. But there's somebody here this weekend who can just write that check, okay? Because there are faithful givers and then there are people who God is strategically blessed who are actually able to strategically give, have the grace of giving. Um, it costs $1,500 to plant a house church. Some, somebody could just give that. It's, it costs $125,000 is what goes out of here and our monthly mission support to, to missionaries around the world. It costs about two to $3 million to start a campus. That's, that's what we're talking about. Why? Because the gospel's free, but the road it travels on costs money. And we're not just giving out of obedience. We're giving out of love. Why? Because we want to give provision to the vision. 
all right? So how are we gonna actually see the dream of God for the church come to pass? We gotta pray towards it, gotta serve towards it, gotta lead towards it, gotta give towards it, and the last thing is this, we have to go toward it. We have to go toward it. At some point, we're gonna have to realize what Mother Teresa said. (laughs) I love this. She said, we are the people we've been praying for. We're the people we've been praying for. I don't say, I don't, that's not meant in like a humanistic sort of like we're the answer to our own prayers. No, like literally like we're called to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest. That's you. That's you. You understand that, right? Like the easiest thing is to pay for somebody else to go on a mission trip. Oh, we ain't ready for that one. The easiest thing is to pay somebody else to go do ministry. And we're praying, God, would you save my neighbors? And he's like, hey, go look in the mirror real quick. God, would you save my kids? Hey, one more time, just go look in the mirror. You are the labor that the Lord of the harvest is sending out into the harvest. And here at Victory, here's how we say it. What we wanna do is put ministry back into the hands of the family. And so I I feel a task for this, to reduce what's called the clergy laity gap, the distance between pulpit and pew, right, the deprofessionalizing of the ministry, which, which is this whole like really jacked up thing in church culture, which is what I do is sacred, what you do is secular, what I do is holy, what you do is impure, so you give me money so I'll do the ministry. Dear God, let that die. God has called all of us as priests to go out there into the world. In fact, today, if you're physically in the building, when you, when, when you walk out through the center doors, right up above the center doors is Mark 16, 15, which says, go. This is Jesus saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the task. That's the mission of God on every single one of us. All of us go, not just come. We go. Don't just come in here. Go out there. Do both, right? So, so what it's going to need to look like is this. Some of us in this season... Feel free, I say this, feel free to bring your, your, your friends in here, right? In fact, if you're a friend in here, hi, what's up? But then we have to go, we have to go. Come in here, come and see, go and tell. That's our job. So for some of us in this season, God's calling us, and you're, you're not quite there yet, some of you aren't quite, quite there yet, but God's calling you to be a house church leader. I believe this is, this is the future of the church in America. I believe this right now, like, here, here, here's what that is. Uh, a house church leader is simply this. It's somebody who wants to own the spiritual condition of where they live, work, and play, right? And so you're doing, prayer, you're doing walks around your neighborhood. Now you're just doing prayer walks. You're going to the pool. Now you're going to the pool on purpose. You're getting to know your friends. Uh, you're getting to know your neighbors, having spiritual conversations. People are starting to come to faith. They come over to your house, turn on the service. You sit there, you watch it. You break bread together, get to know each other. You become disciples together. You start influencing your neighborhood together. More people are coming to faith. It gets too big for your house. spills over into the second house. Somebody from another neighborhood from this church comes over. They learn how to do it from you, and then they go back and take it into their neighborhood. And what happens is the church starts going because the gospel's just going out of this place, right? That's what that looks like, right? That's what that looks like. Don't, don't make it more complicated than it actually is, right? So, so this is especially house church leadership. It's especially for you if you're online. It's a big deal. And for all of us, like it, I know Atlanta's many times a transitionary city. And so you're here for a season, then you have to go. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite things to hear is I just can't find a church like Victory, right? And so you move, and so you're streaming online. This is what a house church is for. This is one of the main things a house church is for. So if you can't find a a church like Victory, guess what? You get to start Victory where you are. Have some people over at your house. You're going to start seeing some people come to faith. 
you're gonna start seeing some pretty cool things happen. And then, then guess what? You're gonna fill up your living room and it's gonna spill over somewhere else. I, I believe we're, we're already starting to see a little bit of this. What's gonna happen is one house church is gonna turn to about three or five or seven or eight. Then what's gonna happen is the actual physical church is gonna be born in that area. That's what's gonna happen. And you can be on the front edge of that. The, the statistics, I'll say this, 60% of America has said that they'll never go to church. So thank God for our big gatherings. Thank God for that. But if, if we're just gonna carry that all the way, that means 60% of America is going to hell. And I know we're not used to that blunt of language, but it's true, okay? So what we have to do is we have to understand we're here for such a time as this. Not just to attend, but maybe to attend, to become a disciple, to become a leader, to get trained up, to then spill out and go. Spill out and go. Why? Because God wants to work through you. So you'll never guess what I have for you, a QR code. <laughs> all right, so if you're all in or you just have some questions, here's your landing spot, all right? Again, no, for real, like if you're like, I, I just need some more information, what does that look like? That's your spot right there, okay? Um, why, why? Because God has put something really special in you. And I wanna give you one last piece of language as we close out our series with this. And you see this on the walls if you're inside the buildings. This has really guided a lot of what we've done over the last few years because of this thing called emancipating greatness. So what is emancipating greatness? It's releasing what God put in you out of you for his glory in the world around you. That's what it is. It's acknowledgement of Genesis 127, which is the fact that you are made in the image of God. He gave you gifts and talents and abilities that are unique to you, but they're not innate to you. They are given to you. They're his, and they're to be used for his glory. And what happens is, is when we operate in those gifts in the unique way that God made you, very special things happen because he made you to do it. And so, just like today, listen, here's what we say. We say victory is one church in multiple locations, which means right now, um, uh, uh, Pastor Chris up at Hamilton Mill is preaching this sermon. Pastor Moe's downtown is preaching this sermon today. Pastor Darius preached this sermon. Uh, Pastor Emilio is over there in Vita preaching this sermon. We're all preaching the same sermon, but it's coming out in different ways. Why? Because we all have different gifts and talents and abilities. Same message, little bit different method. The same thing's true for you. God put gifts and talents and abilities on the inside of you, and he's put you in a whole lot of different places. So here's what I'd say to you guys. Pray, pray. What do we talk about? How are we gonna do the mission? Pray the way God made you to pray. Don't just copy-paste the way somebody else prays. Pray, obviously we have some guidelines in the scripture, but pray the way that God made you to pray. Serve with the gifts that God put on the inside of you, right? Lead wherever God has placed you. Give to the level that you're able to give and then go into all the places that he's graced you to be. Some of you are in politics. Some of you are in law. Some of you are in homes training up kids. Some of you are in education. Some of you are in art. Some of you are in dance. Some of you are all a thousand different places. But be there for such a time as this. Be there and do it exactly how he made you to do it. Don't be a, a replica because God made you, you for a reason. And I believe this, as we all do our part as we all do our part, I, I actually wrote this phrase last night. As we all do our part, the million soul God goal will come to pass. I believe we'll actually see a revival in our city that will spill out as we do it together because we are victory. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Father, we love you. We do. And God, I, I'm still personally challenged. I'm still a little intimidated by the God goal, by the God dream. May, may it always still cause a little bit of trembling in my soul. But God, I thank you for the beauty of this, that we are not an aimless people, 
We're not a visionless tribe just kind of wandering in the wilderness. God, you've told us who we are. You've told us what we're called to do. You told us how we're called to do it. And then you've showed us where we're going. And we've seen small evidences of it throughout the last few years and we see it gaining momentum in the season. And God, here, here right now, with the best of our ability, we just say yes. We agree. God, we agree that you have given a God goal to this house to reach 100,000 people in victory settings and 900,000 in victory related settings for a total of a million souls impacted the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, I thank you for every single man, every single woman, every single student, every single child. God, who is coming together, that each one of us does our own part, we're gonna see this thing come to pass. Our slice of the Great Commission. Because really what we wanna hear when we see you face to face, God, is well done, good and faithful servant. So God, may we live such lives. God, may, may, may we throw off apathy in this season. God, may we throw off spirit of being comfortable. May we throw off any domestication of our soul, all the laziness. And God, may we actually realize that we are here and right now for such a time as this. You placed us here. There's a lot of us who are here in Atlanta. There's others of us, I mean, West Indies and Jamaica and South Africa and different parts of Asia. We got some family in Vietnam, just hearing about Nigeria, West Coast, here and everywhere in between. God, you placed us here for such a time as this. Not any one of us can fulfill the mission that you've given us, but together we can. And so we say that with faith. And once again, we say yes to the call of God in this house. And God, I pray that as we all do our work, God, that the glory would ultimately be pointed back to you because we know we can't do it in our own strength. And so we pray this, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Let there be a revival in Atlanta. God, let there be a great awakening in this land and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And may it all be done to the glory, to the name and the fame of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some glory.